while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast tonight. Sorry, I was uh, away from the board for a minute longer than I thought it would be. <laughs> but um, so the Bristol County Sheriff's Office is beginning a transition of power for the first time in 25 years after uh, Mayor-elect, I mean, uh, Bristol County Sheriff-elect Paul Haro, who's the mayor of Attleboro, defeated Republican incumbent Tom Hodgson. So... They, uh, I, uh, Hero toured the facilities today and, uh, with Sheriff Hodge and he has some more comments on that. So we're joined by Sheriff elect Hero now. Hey, Sheriff elect. How are you? Hey guys. How are you doing? Good. So, um, so you toured the facilities today with Sheriff Hodgson. What are some of your, what were some of your immediate reactions to how everything was uh, over there. And how has Sheriff Hodgson been throughout this process? Well, he's been very cordial, very professional. Um, he, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, basically today was the first time I had access to the jail, which was uh, really useful. I think that probably was, it was probably even more, you know, useful for the staff that I uh, met because they finally got to see me for the first time and, and you know meet me for the first time and um, but yeah it was it was a you know it was a good tour he uh, took me around to a lot of the different areas obviously not the entire uh, sprawling complex you know that's something I'll probably do on my first and second week I want to see every building and just learn about you know every operation um, but the, you know he the one thing that did surprise me and uh, Marcus I texted you about this earlier yeah. um, was the uh, uh, you know, I, when we were at Ash Street, I was surprised to see inmates playing cards and uh, doing uh, like uh, recreational activities, running, push-ups, pull-ups. You know, they um, there were also there was TVs. There were TVs in a number of places because I think uh, we've all heard the stories that none of that stuff is going on. And actually, it was um, you know that there was I guess he remo- he moved weight rooms. But this other stuff, you know, there were other recreational activities going on. Another thing that surprised me was the um, the uh, tablets. You know, last time I worked in a jail or a prison was well over a decade ago. But it was, you know, they, the tablets weren't really an issue, uh, item back then. I mean, they, they were just being introduced. But the, the inmates had tablets, and they had limited Internet connectivity with those tablets. And by that, I mean... They were, um, you know, able to communicate with people back home. They could order things on commissary, but they couldn't do things like go on Amazon and purchase stuff. It didn't. It, there were certain things that were blocked. But um, yeah, I was I was very happy to see that there was, you know, some progressive ideas like that in the jail. And uh, you know, it was, but it was a good tour though. And like I said, the sheriff has been very cordial. So, but he did. The thing is. So I just like listened to his farewell address uh, on the TV show he did, and I wrote a column on it. People can check out, or an article on WBSM.com. They can check out. But he, 
was like he talked about taking away TVs and cards specifically as like and the weights. And he said it was like an accomplishment of his because he said people would do more programming and that it worked. He saw it work. Um, but you're saying that there's TVs there. Maybe it could have been that he took away TVs from their personal cells. And maybe it was the personal cells. That that very well may be it. But it was also I, I'm also commenting on what I saw with respect to TVs, card playing, and recreational activities at Ash Street, which is largely the awaiting trial population. So in terms of what was going on at Dartmouth, I didn't see any card playing or any other type of recreational activities at Dartmouth where you'll have your criminally sentenced population. But, um, you know, but then again, I, I just didn't, you know, I, I saw a limited amount, so I, I just don't know everything. You know, it was a, it was a you know, short hour, one hour, hour and a half tour. So, um, so, it was a sh- so you did a, so this morning you were at Dartmouth, you toured the facilities, you did a, a, a media availability. Then in the afternoon you went to to uh, to Astreet. So did you did you talk to the sheriff about that uh, about those amenities being available and why? Like again, it, it, it's it's just it's it's strange to me that that stuff's available when he has specifically championed that stuff not being available to inmates. Well, maybe it's available for the awaiting trial people who are you know still supposed to be innocent until proven guilty okay um, but it's not available to the criminally sentenced at dartmouth I, I didn't i didn't see it going on at dartmouth but that doesn't mean it doesn't go on i just don't know maybe it does maybe it doesn't i, I but i didn't see it at dartmouth um but it, it, the awaiting trial folks though like i said they are you know there's a presumption of innocence until they were proven guilty and um you know another thing was uh ash street you know ash street is a very controversial place a lot of people have said we should shut it down i've never committed to that in the um in the campaign and when i was speaking with steve souza today i asked him i said so you have 96 inmates here at ash street what are the challenges with bringing them over to dartmouth so that way we can uh close down dartmouth you know just well what are your thoughts about that and i said i've never made that promise but you know people wonder and i'm wondering and he explained to me that there are a lot of people who are in Ash Street who have to be kept separate from the folks over in Dartmouth because of gang issues. Um, you know, some, sometimes they need to be segregated. They just need to be in their own cells because in Ash Street, a lot of people are in single cells. Um, and I've actually talked to somebody. One one of the people that even donated uh, quite generously to my campaign was a previous, previous inmate in um in uh, Ash Street, he was there uh, for a, a drinking and driving issue, and you know he said, "Geez, I loved being at Ash Street. It was so much better than being at um, in uh, what's it called in, in Dartmouth because you got the single cell." So you know that is it's not to say that um, you know it would like we we shouldn't look at ways to close Ash Street, but the it wasn't quite the horror show that i had heard about you know and it was it was very old it was absolutely it was very old but it wasn't the, the condi- it wasn't dirty though you know so it was it was very old but it wasn't dirty so one of the things i'm, I'm probably going to do is open it up uh, to the public and the media uh, bring the cameras in do a little tour um you know it's not uncommon for jails and prisons to give tours it, yeah. it's uh, when i was in uh, grad school I used to, uh, I organized, I think, six different 
tours of my classmates at you know the, the Kennedy School of Government to do different tours of jails and prisons in Massachusetts because I had just left working in prison and then I um, went straight back to grad school again and so I still had some contacts. This was you know over ten years ago, uh, probably 12, 11, 12 years ago. Um, so I'll probably be doing something like that where I open up Ash Street uh, as you know probably Dartmouth as well. We can do regular tours. Uh, not so it's like a circus or, you know, a carnival or anything like that. You know, just it's more of an educational experience um, for people. That, that's the idea. So your initial, so you, um, do you think just your initial look at Ash Street, because uh, a lot of people who supported you want it to mm-hmm. close, uh, do you think that it is suitable for inmate housing at this juncture? From what I saw today, I would say yes, but I'm not done looking at things. I want to bring in other people, get other opinions. And but like I said many times in the campaign, and I re- reiterate right now, just taking those inmates, the, you know, the, the 96 or so inmates they have at Astry and putting them into Dartmouth might cause more problems than we're solving. And I, I said that throughout the campaign. You did. And. I got to speak with Steve Souza today, the superintendent, and uh, you know a couple other folks, and they all they all nodded in agreement. They said, "Yeah, it's not quite as easy as you would think. Just moving these inmates over there, you, you do. We need to keep the um, awaiting trial folks separate from the criminally sentenced folks. That we, we the inmates, we definitely need to do that. And you know, does uh, you know shuffling things around inside Dartmouth to accommodate bringing over people yeah. who are." awaiting trial so they're not mixed with the criminally sentenced that's a challenge um also thinking about you know the gang issues keeping people separated that's another challenge um some of the uh, facilities that dartmouth had um you know maybe six or eight people in a dorm style cell uh and then you'll have multiple cells going down roads so some again it, it, it's a shuffling game we have to shuffle people around to make sure that the you know you're not putting the wrong types of inmates with each other. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. So, um, but was there anything uh, that you noticed at Ash Street that you think does need to be improved upon? Um, So stuff that needs to be improved upon in Ash Street. Um, You know, I don't think I've spent enough time there to come up with, a complete like to make any type of recommendation like that right now what i plan to also do is bring a couple of uh you know people that i worked with in corrections in the past three in particular people one's a former superintendent of uh one of the prisons in massachusetts another's a former prison commissioner in massachusetts and the other one's a former uh prison commissioner in uh or jail commissioner really you know in, in philadelphia my old boss uh, Leon Ting, who I worked with. So I'm going to bring them on at some point just to, you know, to do walkthroughs, do tours, look at things with me, because the three of them are people that have over a hundred years of corrections experience just between the three of them, well over a hundred years. Sure. So bringing that three of them on to uh, go through and, you know, give me ideas about things to consider, things to maybe, uh, you know, improve upon. Uh, I'm also going to be asking the Mass DOC to do some audits. Uh, that way they can also give me ideas of things to prove on. So, I mean, that, that's the idea, though. That's what we should be doing is that I 
you know, uh, Sheriff Hodgson, you know, he, he did, um, he made his mark on the jail. And, you know, now it's my turn to improve on his successes. And, you know, someday I won't be sheriff anymore. And then somebody else will, you know, take the jail and um, you know, basically improve upon uh, my successes. And that's what we want to do is constantly be getting better. Well, you're saying improve upon his successes, but you ran against him uh, successfully on the fact that you don't think he was successful as sheriff. Now that you're transitioning and you're getting a more inside look on how things are going at the House of Correction or at the Bristol County Sheriff's Office, has your opinion on Sheriff Hodgson changed in any way? Well, you know, I, 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 the election is over, and it, it's, you know, it, it's no longer the time to kick each other around and, you know, rehash the old things that we were, you know, uh, running against each other on. Um, one thing I will say is, though, he has uh, been a heck of a gentleman to me. He absolutely yeah. has. He, he's been very cordial, very much a gentleman to me. And, Marcus, you were there. When we had our debate in his in, in uh, your studio there, mm-hmm. I mean during the, during the ten minute break, he and I were battling. Yeah, I mean, was... we were really going at it <laughs> yeah. off the radio. Yeah, you remember that? I mean, was, yeah, everybody <laughs> yeah. left the room and just left. He and I just kept barking at each other. Yeah. Um, but the, the election's over, and we have put all that aside. And he is being a professional. He is um, being very cordial, very respectful, and you know he, he's you know. Uh, basically handing the jail off, you know, it's been a very nice transition uh, thus far. So you talked about um, some like the TVs and the weights and you saw that for some people on Ash Street, but you didn't see it going on in Dartmouth and those, you know, Dartmouth where the, um, a lot of the people who are committed are at, although there are still some people waiting trial uh, in Dartmouth. um, But are you, um, do you want to bring back some of those amenities for inmates if they are not available to them? Well, it depends on what we can get away with and if, uh, what the value of that is. If, um, you know, again, if, if you're awaiting trial, the, you know, I, I, you haven't been sentenced for something. Which yet. is if most people think- there. Yeah, I, I, that's what I've been explaining. People have told me it's over 50% of the population. I know that we, I think I asked uh, how many people were at uh, Ash Street today. I think they said it was about 96. So that means you would have some awaiting trial people over at Dartmouth as well because the overall population uh, for the entire system is about 700 people today. I think they said 705, and it, it changes every day, but mm-hmm. it's not that magnitude. Um, so you would have some awaiting trial people over at Dartmouth if that were the case. Um, so, but, yeah, if, if, the, if it's true that the majority of people, I, I've heard that over 50%. I haven't actually gotten that number yet. Like what exactly well, that's statistically I true of, of, of people being he- uh, held in, at, in prisons across the country, isn't it? I think What's it is. That, that-, that most people that are being held, that most people that are incarcerated right now are... Uh, awaiting try are 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 have not been convicted of the thing that they're being held for. Well, I think most people in prisons are sentenced most, but in terms of jails, though county jails, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Most people are awaiting trial. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I mean, in Massachusetts, you the only people who are going to be going to prison who are awaiting trial are people who previously spent time were an inmate in the mass doc um you know so they they won't go back to the uh jails not usually they won't go, usually go back to the jails if they're going away trials they you know got released from the doc and then they subsequently reoffend then they go back to prison rather than the county jails that's that's typically how it's done 
So uh, we're speaking with uh, Bristol County Sheriff-elect uh, Paul Haro. He just toured the Bristol County Sheriff's Office uh, facilities today, the jail in Ashtree and the jail in um, uh, the J- the Ashtree jail in, in the Dartmouth House of Correction. So um, are there you're being sworn in on January 4th uh, at Durfee High School. Why 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 there? Well, actually, January 3rd. Uh, January, January 3rd, January, sorry. You're right. Yeah, yeah, January 4th is the actual day I, I will arrive at the jail first thing in the morning. But then, but Durfee High School, um, that was a decision my campaign team uh, came up with. They looked at a lot of places throughout Bristol County. Uh, they wanted to do something fairly centrally located, and we thought Fall River was probably a good place. Uh, you might remember my uh, campaign uh, the uh, night, the campaign night, like the election night. Um, we were in Somerset, which is just on the other side of the river, you know, mm-hmm. over the Braga Bridge from uh, Fall River. So the idea was to try and do something fairly centrally located uh, that was easy to get to, that has a lot of parking, and that's why uh, my campaign team uh, settled on uh, Durfee High School. And they actually worked with the um, Mayor Coogan's office in Fall River, and his office has been fantastic. They really did, you know, they really rolled out the red carpet for my uh, my campaign team, who and they really assisted them quite a bit. Anna and the um, mayor's office and, and Mayor Coogan have been fantastic, you know, with that whole process of helping out with the inauguration. So, uh, Bristol County uh, Sheriff-elect Paul Harrow, that your inauguration is January 3rd at 5.30 p.m. at Durfee High School. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with before I let you go? Um, yeah, you know, if people want to see what I'm doing every day while I am working as sheriff, just follow my Facebook page. I post, uh, you know, since the middle of 2013 when I was a state representative, I I started making it a habit to post the work I do every day. And I started that because a lot of people, even myself included, didn't know what a state representative does every day. And so I did that, you know, starting in about mid-2013, did it all the way through. And then I did that all the way through when I was mayor. And as sheriff, I'm going to do the same thing. I just, at the end of the day, I list today's work included. And then I just give a list of these things. And it basically... That serves as a uh, source of accountability to let people know what I've been working on. It also serves as a log for myself uh, to point back to when people say, well, did you ever, you never worked on such and so, you never addressed this. I can say, sure I did. I posted it on my Facebook page right here. Go ahead and look at it. It's been posted there all along. Um, so it acts as a public log of the work I've done over the course of my time as well. I don't know anybody else that actually does that. Um, I mean, some people are more or less transparent, but that's that's one of the ways I do it. Bristol County Sheriff-elect Paul Haro, uh, thanks for joining us this evening and uh, looking forward to speaking with you more as your first term in sheriff uh, begins. All right, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on, Marcus. Absolutely. So that was Bristol County Sheriff-elect Paul Harrow. Uh We're actually going to take uh, a quick break, and when we get back, we'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500, also taking your messages on the app chat. WBSM 508-996-0500, getting some good, some good reception in the app chat. Some not so good, but that's okay. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. I do appreciate tuning in either way. But, um... 
you know, former sheriff's employees reaching out and saying uh, that they think he's going to do a good job. Uh, Dave from Swansea says there's no weights anymore. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Sheriff Hodgson has talked about that. Actually, I have a call, uh, an article on WBSM.com covering his farewell address where he talks about how he took the weights away from the, um, the facilities and he took away uh, some other amenities because his philosophy was that people were wasting their time doing recreational activities like uh, like lifting weights or watching TV or playing cards and not working and not doing any work uh, or not participating in any of the programming uh, that they have available. And he said, um, you know, from his perspective that his office found success in the success in the um, success in the uh, in that method. Um, obviously, there's been some disagreements. Haro uh, uh, has been um, pretty pretty firmly committed to not retreading any of the election stuff, which I think is really professional. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I think a, a lot of people see as him, and I will say as as really as intense and and as um, as uh, rancorous as the, the 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 election was, and there was a lot of there was a lot of vitriol between the two during the uh, during the election, and I, I, you know, like I said, Chris and I saw it play out in this room when we when we covered the Bristol County Sheriff's debate. This was the the only time, other than these other two two meetings, this was at that point at that point the only time these two individuals had been in the same room together after all of the campaigning. Uh, so it was pretty intense in here. And, and like Haro had said, and I, I hadn't said, I hadn't talked much about this on air, but since he said it, I will, uh, when we had left, there was a break. So the, the two hours were commercial free. I pushed for that. Uh, the station was, I didn't really have to push. I just asked the station. They were more than happy to make that commercial free because we wanted to go uninterrupted. Part of the reason was I didn't want to have, you know, intermittent, intermittent, intermittent periods of five minute awkward silences in the debate that would disrupt the flow and just kind of make things weird and uncomfortable for everybody here. So I had requested a commercial free. The uh, station was, you know, Tim, I had sent it to Tim and the station was more than happy to comply with that. And, uh, but there was still, we still had to do the five minute news break, right? That, that runs in between every hour, the eight to eight Oh five, seven to seven Oh five, and so on and so forth. We still had to do that. So during that, it was probably about seven minutes total. Uh, felt like eternity, but we left the room. It was me, Chris, uh, John Darling, who's staying on at the Bristol County Sheriff's Office, their public information officer, the spokesperson. Um, we We left the room, and then there was just, we heard the yelling. It went on for... It went on for about, probably about, um, it went on for probably about that entire time. It went on that entire time, and I actually think I sat down and said, I said, save it for the air. We're going on air right now. And then they continued to bicker. And then afterwards, they were nice to each other at the end. But they were, during that whole two hours, it was, like I said, it was pretty intense in here, so. I think their professionalism throughout this entire process 
has, and I think a lot of people agree with this, their professionalism has been refreshing. When I when I shared that column about the breakfast that they had on, was it uh, the breakfast that they had on um, earlier in the month, uh, like first week of December, a lot of people liked it. They liked to see that the, um, they liked to see that the sheriff's department uh, the, I mean, the uh, the sheriff's department's going through a, a seamless transition of power. And, and to you know, for all the, that was talked about, again, Hero has been, again, really committed to not to being complimentary of Hodgson and to put the campaign behind him. Similarly, uh, Hodgson has been equally, if not more, cordial, right? He's gone as far to, I think they've been equally cordial, but he's gone as far to say, and this is a quote, um, this is Sheriff Austin. I have no doubt he will be an amazing sheriff. The future of the Bristol County Sheriff's Office is in good hands. He said that after the he, he said that after the um, the breakfast that they had too uh, earlier in the month. So he said he said that twice. He's committed to saying that the that he said the the future of the 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 sheriff's office is in good hands and then he goes on to say i i have no doubt that he will be an amazing sheriff so it's really something um i think you know there's a lot of people that were doom casting out there when hero got elected that you know it was going to be a disaster and he's going to be a disaster because they didn't really like him uh, a lot of people are you know saying all that awful stuff about him being like you know some of the st- you know some there was some a lot of a lot of awful rhetoric that we probably shouldn't retread right but um but it's you know the guy that the guy that you know is having the only guy that knows how this job is done right in this county, the only other guy who knows how this job is done, which is Tom Hodgson, he's the only guy in Bristol County right now that's active in the political scene that knows how the job is done. And he's saying that he has full confidence in her own fact that he's going to be he's going to excel at his job. So I wonder what the conversations that they had were. I mean, I have an idea of it because I've obviously talked to them both and the spokesperson, the spokespeople that were involved. But I wonder what the conversations really were between them that led him to that conclusion. Um, because it can't all be just like, oh, I just want things to go smoothly, right? Because he doesn't have to do all that. And in fact, if he didn't feel that way, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if he'd go out of his way to say he's going to be amazing. Um. And he's doing that while defending, you know, in his farewell speech. I didn't get to talk about this much, but in his farewell speech, he defended uh, the, the 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 sort of the core controversies of his tenure as sheriff. One, which was taking the amenities away, which he had done like in 97. He had taken the amenities, a lot of amenities away and said, these inmates need to focus more on programming. And if they if we take this stuff away... They'll start getting into other things. You know, they talk. He talks about the CDL program that they just started that allows people to, you know, drive trucks and all of that, uh, or become uh, get a light get a become a licensed truck driver by the time they get out of the house of correction. He talks about other programs that they have uh, going on that help people. You know, basically get their. Uh, he he mentioned specifically their high set uh, high set scores, which is the high school equivalency in in jails, and says that they've. Um, you know, they have one of the highest high set scores in the Commonwealth. 
So. Um, so, uh, and he also said that, you know, he defended his posi- taking a hardline position on immigration stances, right? Like, um, he said that, well, every, you know, he, he reiterated a lot of stuff that he said while he was in office and during the campaign. Well, every town or every, every state is a border state now because it's become, you know, because illegal immigration has become such a problem. Those are his words, uh, not mine. And so he's done that. He's, you know, he's reaffirmed and defended the core, like, policies, really, of his, of his uh, legacy as sheriff. A lot of, I mean, not. That wasn't all what he's about, because I think there was probably, you know, there's some good stuff that he did as well. But he's re- reaffirming a lot of the core controversies and sticking by them. He's not reflecting on it and saying, well, maybe this was a mistake or that was a mistake. He's like, no, I believed in that. And, you know, maybe that cost me the election. Maybe it didn't. But, you know, even though I still even though I still do believe in that stuff and he doesn't, necessarily, you know, Sheriff Ro- Elect Rowe doesn't necessarily believe in that. I think that he's going to be great at his job. And I really think that's I think that's a good thing. I I know there were some people. There's a lot of talk about oh well you know will he contest the election and all that. And I, I never thought that was going to be a real thing. Um, but I, I like that the two the two you know the sheriff and the sheriff elect are handling this as professionally as possible. Now you might say that's the bare minimum of what we should expect from people. Uh, it is, but. Um, these are really politically acrimonious times and, uh, Sheriff Hodgson didn't have to do any of the stuff that he's doing. He didn't have to say any of the stuff that he's saying. He could have given me some really boilerplate, you know, non-committal statement saying, you know, uh, our office is happy to work with the new sheriff to transition to power or something like that. He didn't have to go on and compliment him multiple times. And say he's going to be an amazing sheriff and so that everybody likes him already. He could have just said, yeah, we're doing, you know, what we're obligated to do and we're happy to do it. No, I didn't do that. And I, I really think that's, I think that's good for, I think that's good for the department. It's good for the sheriff's office. It's good for the people that are working there. And it's good for everybody else that may have concerns, you know, about this, um, this new transition in leadership. Because it is the first time in more than 25 years that we're going to have a new person running the entire county correctional system uh, uh, system um, in Bristol County. So 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. We're going to take a break now. We will be right back. This is, um, this is uh, South Coast Tonight. Uh, I'm Marcus. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. The loud swallowed your medicine, your laundry detergent, your nail polish remover. Call the Poison Helpline. Have you inhaled paint thinner, glue, pesticides? Call the Poison Helpline. Have a question about a dose, a fume, something your kid just drank? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. We leave no warrior behind. 
Wounded Warrior Project is a nonprofit organization created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war. Whether those scars are physical or mental, we're here to make sure that they heal. And whether it's helping those with post-traumatic stress disorder live a normal life again or giving much-needed support to injured warriors and veterans' hospitals, because no one deserves our help more than the men and women who risk their lives to keep us safe. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind. Ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Imagine if information came with a nutrition label. Then you'd know if what you're consuming has the right mix of verified facts, credible sources, and relevant context. But news and information doesn't come with a label. It's on us to develop a healthy news diet ourselves. Let's all resolve to strengthen our news literacy so we can make healthier choices about what news and information to consume, share, and act on. Test your news literacy fitness with our quiz at newslit.org. Exercise your right to be well-informed and get news lit fit. Why? Why do we ignore the things that give us pause, that seem out of place, that don't feel right? The answer to why defines who we are. So if you see something, why do you say something? I see safe for my friends. For my community. For my family. For each other. Because all of this matters. We all have something worth protecting. So why do you see safe? Report suspicious activity to local authorities. If you see something, say something. Real-time reaction to everything that happens after the sun goes down. South Coast Tonight with Marcus and Chris is on WBSM. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. Uh, uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get the program. You can also, we'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Just a couple of things um, that, um, just a couple of things that I wanted to uh, let you guys know about that are coming up in case you're interested. But one of them is, you know, the, the inauguration for uh, Sheriff-elect Hero. That's going to be Wednesday, uh, or sorry, Tuesday, January 3rd at 5.30 p.m. at Durfee High School. I'm going to try to go, if I can make it before the show, I might try to catch the beginning of it. I don't know if I'll be able to, but I'm going to try. Tuesday, January 3rd at 5.30 p.m. That's when he'll formally be sworn in as sheriff. Statutorily, um, state law says that he will assume the office on January 4th. So that's when he will officially be the sheriff. That's when he's stepping down as Attleboro mayor uh, and... You know, they got all that stuff going on there to decide that. But what, what's also coming up is um, Healy, uh, Maura Healy and Kim Driscoll, their inaugural committee. So Healy and Driscoll are getting sworn in up in uh, their inauguration is up in Boston, obviously. And it's at TD Garden uh, because they're both college basketball players. It's something they talked about a lot in the campaign. Maura Healy had uh, her campaign had shirts that said, my governor is a baller. And pins and all of that stuff because uh, she played at Harvard. Uh, I don't know where Kim Driscoll went to college. Honestly, I forget. But anyway, uh, they both played college basketball. So it's their moving the ball forward celebration uh, at uh, TD Garden in Boston. But they wanted to schedule some uh, what they called uh, inaugural events in the week uh, in the week leading up to it. So there are five. There's a Western Mass one, a Central Mass one. There is Southeastern Mass, uh, there is uh, Cape Cod, and there's Merrimack Valley. The Southeastern Massachusetts one, that one is in Taunton at 12.30 p.m. 
uh, at the Boys and Girls Club. I guess they're participating in a healthy food and uh, school supplies uh, giveaway at the Boys and Girls Club in Taunton. So they're going to uh, be there. You know, uh, Lieutenant Governor-elect Driscoll uh, was uh, a good friend of the show during the campaign. And um, I think uh, looking forward to having her on um, uh Governor Elect Healy have talked to you a few times on the record as well. And you can get those, you know, a lot of that, uh, those articles on WBSM.com. But I think that, um, I think there's a lot to look forward to, uh, with, um, their, with their inauguration, uh, looking forward to seeing what they, you know, when there's a little bit more, let's say meat on the bone, uh, in terms of policy stuff, but, you know, from the times I talk with uh, with Lieutenant Governor elect uh, Driscoll, I thought she's been very impressive, uh, honestly. And I mean, Maura Healy's obviously uh, a very impressive person. Um, you know, being a Harvard graduate, uh, Attorney General, and all of that. But not a lot of people knew who Kim Driscoll was before this um, campaign, uh, before the campaign kicked off. And I think she's, I think she's going to do a really good job. So, um, really uh, looking forward to speaking with them more as that. As that comes forward, I mean, we we talked to all of those people uh, before the, um, you know, before they got elected, and, and that relationship will continue. So, tell you what, I see call online. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll get to your calls. WBS. Hey, Marcus, can we talk about the vote tech emissions? How are you? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, um, I disagree with you a little bit on that because I think. The reason why vocational school is so uh, so successful in the past 10, 15 years is because of the regimen of what's required to attend that school. It's like anything else where, you know, like if you go to attend Yale or Harvard, yeah, but these aren't. But this isn't supposed to be Yale or Harvard, right? It's it's supposed to be a vocational school for that's a that's a public vocational school for students, and uh, a large population of those students are uh, from a mostly underprivileged uh, community like New Bedford. It's not Harvard or Yale, right? But the thing is, but you could gain to vote. A lot of their stuff is good grades, attendance, and, and things academic-wise. So if you lower the admissions to vote tech, you just lower the, the expectation of students at the school itself that anybody that wants to attend can just come through the door. But the kids that do really want a vocational school, no one is like the sixth or seventh grade, if, you, if they go into that school, that they have to Yeah, yeah, Vogue, Vogue Tech rejects what they call them. Um, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the going to college. here's the thing. They're, they're, yeah, the nursing. You know, there's a nursing program. There's a lot of like you know stuff like that, and it's it's a great school and it's a great opportunity for the students that can get there. The problem is there's a lot of people that may be better acclimated to certain trades. You know, besides nursing, that aren't necessarily as 
academically not inclined, but not, you know, not as good of a student, but you might have the, this talent, but you not, might not have the, the abilities. Furthermore, there's some admissions criteria that frankly disproportionately impacts certain students, uh, certain students in a certain demographic that don't impact the, the other students. Um, so like Shane Burgo had said, the demographics of that, of that school have changed significantly. And so there's a lot of people, and I know that there's, you know, it's not just New Bedford, it's, it's Dartmouth, it's, a, uh, it's Dartmouth and Fairhaven as well. But, you know, it's not equitable. It's essentially become a private school, and it's not supposed to be a private school. Yeah, okay. So the private school, like, uh, Kushner doesn't have the opportunity to go to books. Well, Kushner goes to Old Colony. Old Colony, right. Yeah. The thing about the school is they only accept so many school uh, students and stuff like that. Like, the number one shops to get into is, like, the matrician, right? So they only have maybe 26, 7 slots, whatever. But I've been told sometimes you have 60 applicants that want that shop. So now, how do you give everybody a shot to that shop? Then you have to come up with some type of criteria to say, okay, um, now we're going to do it the fair way or something like, okay, uh, your grades or something like that or uh, have some type of thing to a bar to go by because if you have six applicants, how do you choose only 30 slots? So you have to have some type of system in place, Marcus, to try to get those people a shot to get in that shop, especially if it's like the number one shop at Vogue, right. which is like electrical. And the thing is, some people have been told they say if you do a really good job in the you can actually make a good, almost a six-figure income being an electrician. Right. Um, and not having no college debt. It's the same thing with mechanics and uh, plumbers. I mean, right. nowadays, everybody's going to college, and we're, we're going to have a shortage of skilled labor out in the market because they can't find any carpenters or plumbers or electricians because everybody's going to that. So, well, but shouldn't they, that's the thing is, is shouldn't, shouldn't they then, isn't that an argument for making it a bit more?